Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. We're excited to announce our latest podcast launching this week called Behind the Billions. Coming from the two co-creators of Billions, Brian Koppelman and David Levine give a behind-the-scenes look into Billions Season 5. Following each episode's airing on Showtime, the podcast will impact the writing of the script, exclusive stories from production, interviews with cast and crew, and much more. The first episode is out now, so make sure to subscribe to Behind the Billions on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Football podcast on the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I'm joined as always by my co host and my co Danny, the hero we need and the analyst we deserve, the Dark Knight himself, Danny Kelly. How are you doing, DK? I don't know if I enjoy the your yelling or Craig's just shaking his head during that intro more. It's, it's just a brilliant combination. I don't. Yeah, we're too deep in to change anything now. So. <laughs> sure, Craig, I doing? guess that's how that works. <laughs> Craig, how you doing? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm just, you know, I'm just so used to this quarantine now that I don't feel anything. Every day is the same. I don't know where I am. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you sounded. I'm used to this quarantine. I was like, it doesn't sound like he's used to anything. And then you're like, I don't feel. I'm like, yeah. So that's- I'm. I'm not in my apartment. I'm in a. I'm in a different place. And I like took clothes to that place to live for a while, assuming that like I don't know. This would be like two, three weeks. I've been wearing the same seven t-shirts for like 52 <laughs> days <laughs> and just washing them every like two, day, two three days. There's definitely like a large contingent of people who went somewhere to ride this out and then have just been there for longer than they thought and just are just Yeah, wearing, all the yeah, people the who same, are with their have, parents. Like a lot, of, I mean, like you, Danny, right? Uh, Hi, Fitz, aren't you with your family? I mean, uh, well, let's go for like <laughs> personal details. Your dad walked into a show the other day. <laughs> not necessary yeah so many people are at home with their family it's like summer vacation like after college you just like come home and after your freshman year and <laughs> yeah, you're just like seriously. home mowing the lawn <laughs> except it's like this never ending you're gonna be here forever thing but let's not go into that uh <laughs> we're not gonna be here forever because football will be back hopefully probably so we gotta talk about fantasy yeah yeah, today we're going to look at the biggest offseason fallers over the past few months. The draft is over. Free agency is mostly over, kind of. Cam Newton's still there. Uh, but we're going to look at the players whose fantasy prospects went down after their team's offseason moves. We could also just call this the Aaron Rodgers episode, but we're going to we're, we're, we're gonna get there. <laughs> Who second, is the but. most sad, starting with Aaron Rodgers? Who's the most upset by their new teammates? Let's just start with Rodgers. I mean, we're going to go to quarterbacks. Let's just start with Rodgers himself. Obviously, Packers drafted Jordan Love first round. Rodgers is pissed. DK, do you think this is good or bad for Rodgers? Think he's a faller? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's good for him. He, he, yeah, but he's not a fantasy faller, right? He's a real life faller. Yeah. I think it potentially could be a fantasy faller as well, too, just because, you know, they, they had so many hiccups in that offense last year. It just never really worked really cleanly. Um, he, seeming, he seemed to be going in the wrong direction over the last few years in terms of his efficiency and, you know, output and all that. They didn't add any receivers to his already kind of concerning receiver core. They they did add Devin Funches in the offseason. So um, I don't know if that moves the needle at all for him, if if anything. Um, 
And then, yeah, they went out and they drafted a new quarterback. They drafted a early down bruising running back in the second round. And they basically just didn't address the passing game really whatsoever. So um, I think what, what happens is he's he's going to be relying on a lot of guys taking a big jump in this next season. And I don't know if that's necessarily what you want to do with a guy who's kind of in the twilight of his career. You want to be surrounding this guy like like the Buccaneers have done with um, with Tom Brady. Like you want to surround him with as many weapons as possible, make it as easy as possible on him. And the Packers have not done that. Okay, right now, who would you rather have next year for fantasy, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? Tom Brady. Mm, maybe. That's pretty close. I am shocked that you think Rodgers is a faller because I think he's a riser. Because okay. He's I just going to be pissed. Like, you could yeah, be lighting, isn't this lighting a fire? Isn't this reverse psychology Dude, on the floors? He's been pissed for the last like eight years. No, but that's like, been what? a dying fire because <laughs> he was pissed that Mike McCarthy was like the 49ers offensive coordinator when the Niners passed on him for Alex Smith. And then he was like, you didn't think I was good enough back in the day. Now he's got a whole new thing. I mean, usually I hate the, you know, he's going to be extra motivated this season because people barely know what motivates themselves. Never mind knowing what motivates other people. But with Aaron Rodgers, we know this is going to piss him off. (laughs) Craig, can we play the clip of Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari, who was live on air with uh, Rich Eisen when the Packers made this clip, Packers made this pick? Hey, let me me tell you all something right now. Out. Aaron look, man. is about to be about to go on. crazy. Hey, fire. Aaron Rodgers give us trouble every year, man. I what know what you're about. Fire. Look, he's, he, he's already great just like when he's chilling, but I, when I've seen him when he gets riled up, which I'm sure whether you want to call it or not, I mean, even if they draft an offensive stack, I'd be right, competition. Yeah, competition. Ooh. I don't know if it's like that. that, 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 that my hair raised up right now thinking about this. Yeah, so he said the hair is standing up on the back of his neck. To be clear, David Bakhtiari blocks Khalil Mack twice a year. And the thought of Aaron Rodgers stand up on his neck. Exactly. So I just think that if Bakhtiari (laughs) is scared about what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, I actually kind of like Aaron Rodgers for this fantasy season. There's not many players I would actually buy into the, oh, they got a little fire lit under them. But Rodgers is the guy. He's also like, I think he's the 10th quarterback ranked on, on fantasy pros right now. I would definitely love to wait and grab Aaron Rodgers with like the hundredth pick in the draft. I think that well, that would be the, kind of the Rodgers thing is like, you know, I feel like there's two sides of fantasy. It's like the feeling of fantasy and then like the statistics of fantasy. And Rodgers in 2020 definitely falls under the feeling side where it's like he, he's kind of the go with your gut, like the real coach speak, like oh he's going to be motivated, fire like lit a fire under his ass type player. And then there's like <laughs> the complete opposite where it's like Kyler Murray, where it's like he has all these weapons. It's his second year. He's developing. He's growing. And it just depends what type of fantasy player you are. Some people just like buy into the narrative. And if that's the case, Rodgers will be a steal for you. The more concerning part, I think, is that the head coach, Matt LaFleur, was talking about them being a run first team. Uh, I think that's kind of hilarious after watching the NFC Championship game. But DK, are you more worried about the draft pick or, or are you more worried about them not adding talent at the receiver skill positions? Or are you more worried about the change in philosophy? I mean, I think I'm mostly just worried about their roster. You know, they have one good elite talent at receiver in Devontae Adams. They've got a couple other just very huge question marks. Alan Lazard, you know, Jake Kumro, whoever it's going to be, whether it's Funches, Lazard. Even like Geronimo Allison left. I know that doesn't really matter, but he's on the Lions. You know, are you going to rely on MVS to kind of take another jump after he, he kind of flamed out last year? I just think his talent isn't there. The talent around him isn't there. 
Um, maybe Jake Sternberg, Stern, or, uh, Jay Sternberger is going to make a big jump or whatever, but there's just so many question marks around it. The roster to me is what worries me. And the, the fact that they, they, you know, draft a running back in the second round tells me that they're going to be taking Aaron Jones off the field more, which to me is a net negative because Aaron Jones is one of the best running backs in the NFL. So like overall, like I just don't see how they got better on offense. Maybe this second year in the offense will be this magic thing where they like suddenly figure it out. Maybe, maybe people who take a, a, a risk on Rodgers and grab him late in the draft, maybe they'll be happy, but I'm probably just not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be taking him in many drafts. And you mentioned Aaron Jones and they drafted AJ Dillon. Uh, at a Boston college, the, do you think, I mean, wh- which Aaron on the Packers lost more from this offseason, Jones or Rogers in Europe? Well, I think, you know, I think you could probably look at Joe, Aaron Jones losing a little bit more tangible anyway, because he's going to be losing. I think a lot of his, you know, he was already a, a touchdown regression candidate, probably, um, you know, based on just the luck he had in the touchdown area last year. Now, you might see him lose uh, red zone carries, goal line carries. I actually had a stat pulled up here. Let me pull it up. Um, he was the running back two last year in PBR. He was already due for aggression, as I said. He had seven. He was seventh in the NFL in carries inside the five yard line last year. Thirteen. How many of those do you think are going to go to AJ Dillon this season? A lot. I mean, I think Brian Gutekunst, who's the Packers GM, described him. Or no, sorry, a scout for the Packers described. Dylan as the thunder to Aaron Jones's lightning. Yeah. Which is a polite way of saying that he will get the goal line carries if we he can not fumble the ball. Yeah. So if you take away those goal line carries, that's pretty that's pretty meaningful for, you know, Aaron Jones's bottom line. He's still going to be a factor as a pass catcher. He's still going to be an elusive slasher type running back. But um for a guy who's already looking at a lot of regression, like this just hurts him even more, I think. I, I enjoy Jamal Williams, who is also in that backfield. He's a huge fan of Frozen. He, I believe he saw Frozen too multiple times <laughs> in theaters. But I also don't think he'll be on the team come the, when the actual season begins, or at least I have my doubts because I think that they can move on from him and uh save save a bunch of money. So I, I think it might just be Jones and Dylan. There's a chance of that, which would help Jones's value, but I think he's a loser from this regardless. Yeah. Uh I mean, there's no point in talking about this next guy, Jameis Winston, because he's not going to be a starter. But we just wanted to touch on <laughs> the number five score in PPR last year is now just going to be back in. I just think that's wild. I mean, he was legitimately a league winner for a lot of people because I think he was a, a late round pick for a lot of people. Ended up being one of the top scoring quarterbacks in the NFL. Just absolute hero ball every week. Just tons and tons of yards, tons and tons of touchdowns. Um, I just thought it was very fascinating. Like if you're looking at like losers legitimately, especially in like the dynasty landscape, like this guy was a big time like stud for you last year, and now he's. I don't back. know though. What if he's the 2021 Saints quarterback? Well, yeah, yeah. long term, sure, but in 2020, I don't know. I think yeah. he's no, he's I, a whole. There's no point dynasty. dwelling on him for our fantasy purposes. It's just we wanted to point out that the. The NFL league is less fun leader last year. Yeah. yeah, the passing leader is not going to start in 2020. It's just yeah. amazing. Uh, someone who is more interesting in both fantasy and real life, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, yet another talented quarterback. They're just taking pieces away from or not <laughs> giving him the correct tools. Why do these coaches hate their superstar quarterbacks? I don't get it. It's un- just, I, I almost said uncredible, which probably would have been the right word. But yeah, so obviously DeAndre Hopkins traded to the Cardinals for a second round pick and David Johnson and other fourth round picks that don't matter. DK, how far does Deshaun Watson fall for you? Obviously, the top two quarterbacks this year are um, Lamar and Mahomes. That's a whole debate you can have. But Deshaun probably was in the conversation for third after him. 
after those two, what do you think now with no DeAndre Hopkins? I think he falls slightly. I don't think it's a major, major thing. I think it's like, you know, you're getting rid of the guy that he trusts the most in the offense, the guy that was there for him, the, the most reliable, uh, you know, pass catcher, just in one-on-one situations in the red zone, all that stuff. You're, you're getting rid of a very, very reliable weapon. So that's going to hurt him slightly. But at the same time, Watson is still, you know, a high-end talent, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He still brings it um, on the ground a little bit. You know, he adds that part of the the game to in his ability to score touchdowns with his legs and add pickup yards with his legs. So I don't think it hurts him a ton. If if Will Fuller can stay healthy, I think <laughs> yeah. your, drink. Your your reaction there is, is really drink. all you had. All we need I had a to swear said, jar but. for how many times that phrase will be uttered this year. <laughs> um, I don't know, but like look. There's still some talent in that receiver core with Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, Will Fuller. Big winner, Darren Fells. Do you buy any, we've been harsh on Bill O'Brien, and rightfully so, but do you buy any stock in the idea that having veteran receivers instead of younger guys is a wise move Mm. for the season that will be truncated? I think it's a factor. I don't think it's so important that it's worth like (laughs) trading away to DeAndre Hopkins. (laughs) So Bill O'Brien predicted the coronavirus, hence trading away DeAndre Hopkins to get <laughs> veterans who can handle a truncated season. It's pretty smart. I mean, yeah. Brandon Cooks only plays eight games a year anyway. So it's like four four D chess. Uh, no, I no, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think it moves the needle that much. Like they paid a lot to get Randall Cobb in here. He's like a twenty nine year old slot receiver. So, do you want to do a quick name game with with Deshaun? Sure. So uh, we're going to remove Lamar and, and Mahomes, but let's go Dak Prescott. I would take I would take Prescott, I think, just because they like look at what they've done. They added C D Lamb to that offense. It's gonna be freaking amazing. Okay. Um Russell Wilson. I mean, that's close. That's really, really close. Wilson's in a low volume passing offense. If you believe that the Seahawks are gonna finally let him loose and, and let him go off. We've been hearing that every year. Which I don't know if I believe it or not. He has been making kind of like public comments and stuff about it, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I don't see it. As much, I think I would probably go with Watson if if I had to pick between those. two. I'll give you one more, Kyler Murray. I I'm gonna go with Murray. Same deal. Like they've loaded up around him, they've given him weapons. That's a really high volume passing offense. He can do things with his legs. I'm expecting a big second year jump. So yeah, I'm going Murray. So well, on that note, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you know the other guy who got tossed from Houston this year. Do you think that his stock goes up or down in Arizona with Kyler Murray? That's a very, very good question. I think slightly down, but I would I would say more just like kind of st- like status quo. Like he's he's still gonna be a very good, very good receiver. He's going to an offense where he's still gonna get a ton of volume. I think they're gonna throw a lot. They play really fast, so there's more plays in that offense. Um, I don't know if you can guarantee him like the amount of targets that he's had over the last few years. So well, it's not I just would, the amount. It's he led he leads the NFL in targets since 2015. Yeah, so that that's definitely a concern. But I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff. If that's what you're saying, like I don't think I would still look at him and be like, oh god, I don't know. I just I don't want to take him in the first round. I'd still be confident in taking him in the first round. Well, I, that's the thing. Honestly, I don't think I am this year, and it's, that's a weird thing to say about DeAndre Hopkins. But I think he's a faller from this offseason because. There's just a few ticks against him. It's just the combo of changing. Teams. I mean, again, lead, yeah, changing teams in a season where he's not going to get a lot of time to work out with Kyler Murray. That's a huge problem. He's not going to catch a pass from Kyler Murray till August. That really matters to me. And then I also just, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of. Look, I love DeAndre Hopkins, but he lead he led the NFL in targets for f- the last five years. 
and now he's going to a different team. The idea that, oh, yeah, obviously he's a first rounder. Look, in real life, he's the same player. He's just as talented as he was. But if you go merely from the most targets in the NFL to like the eighth most, that really matters for fantasy football. And the whole point of the first round, which we say over and over, is you can't win your league in the first round, but you can lose it. Uh, I, I don't think that he's like a like a, a lockdown. Yeah, he's definitely going to have a great year in Arizona to like carry your fantasy team, even though I think it might be a better real life football situation for him. I don't know if they're going to feed him the ball. Where do you like him then? Like if he falls into the early second, are you taking him? Or are you just I mean, avoiding him altogether? Like, no, like, I'm not you, avoiding him. Who would you rather a, have, him or Mike Evans? He yeah, reminds me honestly of Odell last year. I mean, before this season, I'm obviously not during the season, but before the season, the question of like, where do you take Odell? He's not in the first round, even though talent-wise he probably is, because there's so many variables with this Cleveland team. But once you get to around 15, 16, 17, 18, you're like, well, that's a hell of a value. And he ended up somewhere around, I think, 12 or 13 ADP off the top of my head, like where he was going on average. I think Hopkins is going to end up right around there, like 12, 13 range, just because the uncertainty of he's playing with a new team that he's not going to meet these people till August. Like, that matters. That's Yeah, that's so bizarre. That's so bizarre. Uh, So... On that, on that note, someone who has met his quarterback, <laughs> Julian Edelman with Poor the Edelman. Patriots. Tom Brady is gone. They were Perhaps BFFs. the biggest loser. Yeah. Uh, so there is like the personal aspect to this and the numbers. I don't really care about the numbers. Here's what I care about. Julian Edelman <laughs> and Tom Brady went to the Syracuse basketball game, like what feels like forever ago, but it was in, like uh, March, I think. And there's that video where Julian Edelman's like, he's coming back, he's coming back. And Tom Brady's just sitting there like, will you Straight face. shut up? <laughs> and it was like either a combo of he has no idea, I'm not coming. Like Edelman clearly didn't know. What a betrayal. And I then after it. Brady left, Julian Edelman unfollowed him on Instagram. And then everyone pointed it out. And then he refollowed him on Instagram. So I don't think he's doing well. I think Edelman might lead the league in, in like bad body language this year. Like I just imagine there, there's going to be a lot of slants that like bounce off his back shoulder because they're two feet behind him. And he's just going to be like, God fucking damn it. This sucks. We're going to go eight and eight. Edelman's yeah. entire game is timing with Brady and just knowing what where Tom Brady wants him to be. And now he's yeah. has to figure out timing with Jared Stidham, who I don't know how many passes Jared Stidham has thrown to Julian Edelman in his life. I don't think it's very many. And then obviously Jared Stidham is just, I mean, he's not being 2019 Tom Brady. He's kind of going to have to be like 2001 Tom Brady with this team. So you could convince me that there is no bigger loser in this than Edelman, because yeah. even though he's still going to be the number one receiver on that team, I just think his whole game is now was just so tuned for what like the that chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the flip side, kind of the West Coast version of Julian Edelman is kind of Keenan Allen. That's kind of a stretch, but I think he's <laughs> another big loser of this offseason because obviously Philip Rivers is gone. And, you know, us talking about how no one's going to have the time to work with their quarterbacks in the offseason. I mean, Keenan's quarterback is going to be either Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert. And,. They also kind of have a new offensive coordinator. They fired Ken Wisenhut in the middle of the season last year, and they they brought in Shane Steichen as an interim OC, and he's now the full-time OC. Um, so I just think this offense is going to have a lot of growing pains, and Keenan Allen is yeah. another pristine route runner, and it's like Herbert's not exactly known for his accuracy. So he's another guy who I think could quietly take a pretty big hit this year. Yeah, because Rivers, I think, is known, if you know if he's known for anything, it's his ability to throw with anticipation, just throw it into traffic and trust his receivers to get it. That was a huge part of why he's so like good with Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's a really good route runner. Um, 
but he's also just like Rivers, that that trust and that chemistry between those two is a massive, massive X factor for this season. So yeah, Keenan Allen, I mean, he's like, he's still young enough. He's He just turned 28. You know, he's not necessarily like on the downside of his career quite yet. I still think he's like relatively in his prime, but like, yeah, and he's probably one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. Absolutely. But yeah, this makes me nervous. Like, the quarterback situation is very important. Like, are they going to be a heavy, heavy run team? Like, are they going to just like run the ball a ton and, and their pass volume will go down a bunch? We just don't really know. So, yeah, he, he that, that's definitely one where I'm like, he was a surefire wide receiver one last year, and I don't trust him to be that in 2019 or 2020. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the word anticipation. It's one of the most underrated parts of being quarterback in the NFL is do you know what's about to happen a half second before it does and who's going to be open. It's one of my issues that Jared Goff. I just don't think Justin Herbert has that in the NFL level. I would love to be wrong, but I think that's a huge problem for him, him and Keenan yeah. Allen whenever he plays. Yeah. And uh, Terod Taylor, well, I, I mean, I, I'm curious if Terod Taylor, when the moment comes that they even play Herbert over him, because I'm just curious if Herbert will be able to get to that level at any point this year. Yeah, um, it wouldn't surprise me if if Taylor was the starter for the whole season. Taylor, I mean, he's just competent. Like he has the yeah. very few turn. I mean, he's the fewest turnovers I believe of any quarterback with fifty starts in the last five years. Um, yeah, by a decent bit even per game too. So protect part of that, and, and yeah, that's a great point. And part of the reason for that though is that he just doesn't he doesn't like pull the trigger on a lot of throws, which. Going back to the anticipation thing makes me a little bit nervous with that well, one. If you, you honestly, know. you could convince me for that exact reason that he's so conservative downfield that Mike Williams is an even big and lo- bigger loser than Keenan yeah. Allen because yeah. Mike Williams, it seems like his whole game, half of half the whole thing he does is just catching these ridiculous balls that Rock yep. Rivers just rips. And I don't know if Terod Taylor is going to throw those passes in the first place. He's going to check down Austin Eckler. So you could convince me Eckler is a winner and Mike Williams is the huge loser and Keenan Allen just probably gets a uh, downtick. But yeah. Uh, another dude. Well, I mean, Danny, this is your favorite for player. For years. Yeah. John Ross on the Bengals, <laughs> because apparently there's a difference between running a track meet in Indianapolis in February and playing NFL football with a helmet and pads on. He was good for those two games. Remember that? Barely. I, do. I remember he I caught do. a flea flicker and that was supposed to be like, oh, John Ross is back. Anyway, he, yeah, he was incredible against the Seahawks, man. He just he was not off. incredible against the Seahawks. He caught a <laughs> flea flicker, and then Tedrick Thompson, the safety, like misjudged a jump ball forty yards downfield, like a little league center fielder uh, yes. who's the eight. Tedrick Thompson and then era. Yeah. John Ross gets like hundred eighty yards and two touchdowns, and everyone's like John Ross. I'm like, did you see the plays? He didn't do anything, Danny. We don't want context. We just want Ross stats, <sighs> anyway. and he was right, here's amazing. some context. T. Higgins, the Clemson receiver, gets drafted into second. Imagine having to play an orange for your whole career. Ugh. And then T.J. Green <laughs> what and Tyler Boyd are back. I, I stand. What by is that. the best ugh. color to play in for your whole season? Not orange. I, <laughs> oh my god. Um, anyway, <laughs> I get all, for the record. I get all of my uh, takes on uniform colors from my grandmother Emma. So <laughs> she's not Emma a big has, fan of orange. Huh? I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, is John Rust gonna? start for the Bengals this season, even if he's healthy? That's a very good question. I think he's going to be a part of their offense still. I do think overall, like, I'm not bullish on Ross this year. I think he's, you know, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. I think that's a clear signal that they're not very confident in his long-term prospects. I think it's going to be A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd kind of, like, leading the way easily in that offense. And then 
Um, they'll probably try to work T Higgins in and, and, and get him involved. But I, I think Ross will have a, a role, but I would not rely on it heavily if I were, you know, if yeah, I'm going just into drafts screams the last pick of your draft, because if you're like, you might have a role, then that's never good. You never want that. Yeah. Uh, and I've, uh, fr- I'll be honest. I've never believed in him. I mean, I know, I know John, I, yeah, that, that's well documented. <laughs> it's well documented. Yeah. The Buffalo bills, they traded for Stefan Diggs this offseason, which is an excellent real life move for Buffalo's John Brown, who is now like one of the better number two receivers in football and makes the team better. Kind of not good in fantasy for John Brown. So DK, not what do you make Diggs of Brown's either, role? Right? Yeah. Do you think they're both losers or just Brown and Diggs is the winner? What do you make of this? Yeah, I would say I'm I'm a voting both just because <laughs> like you're going from and we've talked about this before, like Diggs is going from one of the most accurate deep ball throwers in the NFL in Kirk Cousins, a guy who, again, throws the anticipation and a very, very good accuracy. And now he's going to Josh Allen, who is still developing as a passer. He was very, very inaccurate last year on deep throws. That was a huge problem for them. Um, I mean, so, you could argue stylistically that Kirk Cousins and Josh Allen are the most opposite players in the NFL. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, you know, I, I, I'm not high on Diggs. He was not necessarily someone I was super high on in Minnesota either, just because there was so much like variation week to week. You never really knew what was going to happen, especially when Thielen was on the field. So going to Buffalo, where I think it's just a less established, less um, efficient passing offense. I'm, a, I'm, I'm even further, like kind of just off the Diggs train. I think he's an elite receiver. Like he's an awesome route runner. He is going to make them better in real life football, like you mentioned, but for fantasy purposes, I'm I'm not super excited about it. Yeah, last year it was death taxes and John Brown because he just was a startable, worthy player of 13 to 15 games he played, which is amazing for a receiver. It's not that consistent a position. But basically, the only people you're like, you could have started 13 out of 15 times were Michael Thomas and John Brown, and they would have been like, that was the right decision. <laughs> and now I think even if his ceiling's a little higher because D- Diggs will get more attention, I think that John Brown is now, unfortunately, just lower now. Um, and then just... Real quick, want to touch on the Steelers while we're still on some pass catchers. Uh, James Washington, another Steelers receiver draft pick that just hasn't worked out recently. And then tight end Vance McDonald. They're both, I think, plummeting because you've got Eric Ebron. They signed him in free agency. And then they drafted Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame, who is the tight end who turned into a receiver for the draft. Right, DK? So how, what do you make of Ebron Claypool coming in? Do you see any value in James Washington or Vince McDonald? And that they're not even draftable. That's a good question. I think Washington, he might be worth like a last round flyer type deal because you just don't really know how the the receiver rotation is going to shake out. Claypool was a receiver at Notre Dame. There was some indication that he would switch to tight end because he gained a bunch of weight going into the combine. Um, it sounds like the Steelers see him as a receiver, so he's going to be like an outside guy for them. And I think he's going to compete with Washington to be the guy out there, like, you know, playing on the outside, going deep and all that stuff. I don't know if he's going to beat him out in year one, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't think it's a given. So, um, I mean, you with, with with Ben Roethlisberger kind of in the twilight of his career, I don't think they're like necessarily rebuilding. They don't need to give snaps to a guy if he's not ready. James Washington already has the experience with Roethlisberger. You know, he's in that offense. He actually looked pretty good down the stretch last year. He's He's been a disappointment overall as a former, I think he was a second-round pick, right? But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily write him completely off yet. I, I do think Ebron is a very interesting guy in, in that offense. So kind of, you, it's he, that's one of those, like, signings, off, off-season signings that you kind of forget about. But he could potentially be pretty good in that offense. 
Yeah, I just don't know how I feel about Roethlisberger this year coming off an elbow injury at 38. Is he He's 39, is he I think. Is he like, has he been cleared? I'm not sure. I just can't believe, I feel like Ben Roethlisberger was 35 and now he's 39 and there was no one in between. I don't <laughs> remember, when did he, he turn 35 39? for 15 years? Oh, sorry, he's 38. He's 38. Okay. He was, he was clear to start throwing footballs in February. But okay. I think the Steelers this year have one of the most like unknown fantasy pr- outlooks. Yeah, the running back situation is kind of a jumble. Their receiver situation is a jumble because there's all these rumors now that like Juju Smith Schuster might not be back long term. Like they might, you yeah. know. This is going to be a team where you're going to have to like read about them for a while when you draft in August. Like things are going to be way different than June. Every year it just shakes out that everyone has a couple teams that you have no interest in anyone on their offense. You just punt on the whole thing. This year for me, I am I am hard-pressed to think I will be drafting anyone on the Steelers. And I also don't think I will be drafting anybody on the Jaguars. I The Jaguars are <laughs> not a 10-foot pole team for me. They're a 30-foot te- pole team for me. I weirdly think, why, why can't Shark have a good year again? That's uh, We're going to get into it. It starts with Leonard Fournette on the Jaguars. He should go to the Steelers. Yeah, for <laughs> well, real. That, <laughs> I'd love that. Look, Leonard Fournette, who we love Lenny Fournette on this podcast. It's a big and Lenny Fournette podcast, yeah. We, it, we should just call it the, the Fantasy Fournette podcast. That's really what we talk about. But I cannot imagine having him on any of my teams this year unless he gets traded. Because the Jaguars, I mean, GM Dave Caldwell basically acknowledged that there were, I'm quoting him now, he told this to Pro Football Talk, he's quoting, there were just some minor trade discussions with that, but nothing substantial throughout the draft or prior to the draft. I think the mindset is that we're going to go forward with Leonard on the team. It's not a ringing endorsement. Yeah, that's uh, like <laughs> faint praise and then, there. And then also, I, I, the, Mike Garofolo of NFL Network reported in April. This is when the Jaguars are trying to trade him. He reported, quote, issues with Fournette behind the scenes. I'm told via sources he's been perennially late and over the last couple of years has not put in the work needed to succeed at this level. He's been sleeping through meetings and they've had to wake him up a few times in the middle of offensive meetings and also his mood. He tended to be a moody player from time to time. End quote. That was from April before the draft. Now I am not going to parse whether work ethic or any of that stuff. I think it's just fascinating that that's coming out of the Jaguars organization because it speaks to a massive rift between Fournette and the team, which is just a larger part of how this is the most broken locker room. The locker room and the team's relationship with the front office with this Jacksonville team is the worst I've ever seen in the NFL in like more than 10 years. Like, Like like, I can't believe they would leak that about their starting running back, first of all. Someone said that about the team's starting running back. I don't know why they would do that. And then, I mean, you've got Yannick Ngakwe on defense is tweeting at Tony Khan, who's the son of the owner in like what part of the C-suite. And he's like, hey, trade me, bro. Why? And, and they're like going back and forth on Twitter about why he won't be traded. Yeah. And then you've got Jalen Ramsey's ousted. You've got, it is a cl- disaster there. Fournette went on first take and was saying, let's sign Cam Newton. And they're like, what about Gardner Minshew? And he's like, no disrespect to Gardner Minshew, but I want Cam Newton. Now he's going to have to play with Gardner Minshew. Like they changed offenses. So Fournette might not even be ideally suited to have have any cash more passes. This team is a disaster. Leonard Fournette or James Conner? James Conner. Because mm. I don't think James Conner is going to get benched. Like I, I, I could like I don't know if Leonard Fournette's going to start for this team. I think I would go with Lenny Fournette. Craig, what would you do there? 
Probably Fournette. I still think he's going to get carries. I th- I think, assuming they don't trade him, and it doesn't sound like they got any trade partners, I still think he's going to get early down carries. He was actually pretty elusive last year. You know, kind of, his reputation is just like a plotter or whatever, but he was pretty elusive, broke uh, a lot of plotter. tackles. You're the one who called him a bowling ball. No, I or called, no, him, sorry, I called uh, him a bumper car. A bumper yeah. car. <laughs> That's the one. It's just the way he runs looks like a bumper car. It's like staccato, like, like you know what I mean? Um <laughs> You, you can you can picture what, what, I'm, what I'm saying. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyways, he, I, I don't think he's going to be the guy that gets like a hundred targets again, like he did last year. But um, you know, he had the worst he had the worst red zone luck in terms of like goal line carries and all that. I think that could change if their offensive line kind of picks it up a notch this season. They've got some good players on that offensive line. They just need to stay healthy. Um, so. I'm not like picking him early and I'm probably not like targeting him. But if I had that choice, I believe I would take, I believe I would take Fournette. I, I love Fournette as a player. And I, if it weren't like, I guess what I'm, I'm not touching anybody on a team that is collapsing at the seams because if th- this is a toxic situation, like there are mo- like the best the players who have the most draft capital or on, on like both sides of the ball are just openly don't want to play there. And the team isn't really even hiding and pretending otherwise. That's just not, a, especially when it's this odd situation we're in where a lot of the work players are having to do in the offseason is very self-motivated. And they're trying to have, like, there's a lot of effort players are going to have to put in to be on the same page. And just the Jaguars are dead last in chemistry. And that's a, it's a year where it really matters how much people are putting in. So I just, ugh, I'm staying away from everybody in Jacksonville. And I love Lenny Forns, but maybe ends up elsewhere. Anyway, moving on. The exact opposite situation. Kansas City Chiefs all love and vibes after winning the Super Bowl. Except Damian Williams who kind of got screwed when yeah, they Super Chiefs Bowl picked. hero Damian Williams. Yeah. Clyde Edwards-Helaire, they took him with the uh, last pick of the first round. DK, who's going to be more fit, valuable for fantasy in 2020? Is it Damian Williams or do you think it's Clyde Edwards-Helaire? No, I think it's Edwards-Helaire. I think I think they have a clear vision of how they want to use him. They want to use him in the passing game, so that's obviously very, very valuable, especially in PPR leagues, but also just in standard leagues. I think it's just going to be a big part of their passing game. If you had to put a number on it in terms of the split, I still think it's going to be a committee. I think Damian Williams will be involved, but I'd probably say it'd be like you know, 65-35, 70-30 in favor of Clyde Edwards-Alaire in, in terms of the total workload. Um, so I very much would pick Edward Slayer over Williams, and I probably avoid Williams overall. Real quick, do you want? Would you rather have Edward Slayer this season for fantasy or Austin Eckler? Eckler, just because he's more established and you know he's done it before. I, I think I think Edward Slayer has very good like long term value. Again, if you're if we're talking about dynasty, like he's a huge buy, but in year one especially. Uh, I'd probably lean Eckler. Well, Edwards, Alaire, Todd Gurley. Mm, that's a very good Another question. I think, can we get an update on Todd Gurley's knee? I want to get a doctor in here to be like, this is truly <laughs> what's going on with his knee. Like, it's 80% of what it was. It's 70% of what it was. Because it's like, I feel like no one knows anymore. His trainer all but said kind of what the deal was. which It was kind of amazing that his trainer just kind of came out and was like, yeah, no, it's there's, an arth- I believe the term was an arthritic component to the knee. I just want an update. Like, you know, like your battery percentage. I want to know what that's at for Todd Gurley. Gurley, <laughs> Gurley is, you know, like he's on a one-year deal, I believe. So it's not like he has no long-term value there, but he's probably going to get a ton of volume this year. 
So we got these next three guys. I want to make a name game out of these next three guys whose roles have all been upended by rookies. So we have Carrion Johnson, Mark Ingram, and Marlon Mack. And I just wanted to know how you guys would rank if you had to draft these three guys. What order would you do? It's an excellent question. I would I would take Ingram first, just because you're taking the team. You're 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 betting on the team. You're betting on a team that, like Danny mentioned last week. It's like the greatest rushing team in history. Like they literally had the most yards per carry in history, and and I'm just betting on that upside, betting on that, um, I guess efficiency and everything. I don't trust Carryon Johnson at all, to be honest. So you know, I not necessarily like think he's a bad player, but like just c- hasn't been able to stay healthy. I think they clearly really like John J. Swift. He was an early second round pick, so that's like you know that's a very important factor in all this. I think they're going to make him a big part of that rotation, but. Um, the Marlon Mack one is harder to read. I, you know, I think he's a good player. Obviously, I think they like Jonathan Taylor more. I think Jonathan Taylor's a better player, but it could be a similar situation with kind of like the Chiefs, where there's a pretty like standard rotation where they're kind of getting all their guys in. Naeem Hines is involved too. The best case scenario for Marlon Mack is that Jonathan Taylor fumbles a couple times, <laughs> yeah, early in the season, and Marlon Mack gets the goal line work the entire year. That would intrigue me. But barring ball security issues to Jonathan Taylor, I'm worried about Max's workload. And I think that I don't know why, but I think that my gut instinct here is Ingram, Mac, and then Johnson. But I just I'm so unexcited by even though I was I love carry on. I'm now very unexcited by him. Craig, would you say that Ingram is the top choice there? Yeah, I think I would go Ingram. <sighs> the real question, I think, is is who would you take Johnson or Mac? I think I would take carry on Johnson. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, all, these guys are all undoubtedly lo- losers um, of the upcoming fantasy season, but if DeAndre Swift is going to ch- kind of just be like super theoretic, I think there's a chance carry on Johnson is still like the goal line guy. And I don't know if that's the case for Marlon Mack or Mark Ingram. Mm. Those three were disrupted by rookies. Uh, Someone who's disrupted by a free agent, two people disrupted by free agent, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman in Denver. The Broncos signed Melvin Gordon in free agency this offseason. Uh, <laughs> Gordon's, I mean, going to be the starter. He's getting paid starter money. Yeah. It seems that the pecking order is Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman. And Royce Freeman, who was a second rounder just like last year, two years ago. Third rounder, um, I believe. Yeah. Th- sorry, third rounder, very recently is now on the outside looking in. Do you see. Any, I mean, Freeman, I don't think is going to get drafted, and there's no. not much reason for him to be. Do you see any value for Philip Lindsay, other than Melvin Gordon being sidelined? Like, is he just a backup? Yeah, I think that's that's tough to know. I I think the they'll still use a rotation. He'll still get his carries. He's a good player. Like he was, he's been a very good player. I, for whatever reason, the Broncos are just frustrated with him. It seems like, um, you know, they're talking about getting him uh, competition, and then they went outside Melvin Gordon. Don't exactly know why, but um, maybe it's just the size thing. Maybe he just wasn't very good in the red zone. I don't know. I think, so Lindsey last year was RB19 in PPR. And I think he'll be sort of in that that running back three slash flex range. Like he, he's a startable flex option if you need him. Um, but I think Melvin Gordon is far and away kind of like the starter there and the guy to own in fantasy. Melvin Gordon is like by far the most seasoned veteran on the Broncos offense. I mean, they're like the youngest team yeah. I can remember. You have Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, Sutton, Drew Locke, and then Lindsey and Freeman. Is everybody like under 24? 
Yeah, it's that that offense is very very interesting. It's you can see them definitely having growing pains because they're all like you said they're all so new. But man, there's some exciting elite talent. Like Fant was a first rounder. Judy Sutton is like a first round talent. Clearly, you know he's he's turning into a superstar. So yeah. If you had to draft a team, an entire uh, team's skill position players for dynasty, the Broncos are up there, right? Yeah, they got to uh, be now. I mean, the Buccaneers. But um, what is yeah? What are some of the other teams that you'd probably like choose? I I'd say the Buccaneers kind of stand out. Um, the Broncos are sneakily really up there. The Cowboys maybe. Oh yeah, probably is the Cowboys. That's that sucks. The Ravens, Coopers. No, because the Ravens don't have as many receivers. But do you? Are you not including quarterback? Right. Yeah, sure. Let's include it. I'd say the Cardinals are probably pretty high. The Chiefs. Yeah, it would be the Chiefs. It would be the Chiefs. I'd probably put the Ravens in there just because they got so much good talent at running back. And if we're including quarterback, it's a different conversation. Yeah, and I think less interesting because it's kind of the Ravens or the Chiefs. If you're talking about quarterbacks, if take we're not quarterback out. Of it. Take quarterback. Then I think the Broncos. Sneakily, have one of the better ones. I really believe in Jerry Judy. Cortland Sutton was great last year. Noah Fan, I have no idea if he's going to be good or not, but obviously, athletically, he's an amazing tight end. And the Broncos just have a lot of good pieces. I think the question for them is blocking, but I like their skill sets. Really, their skill group is really young. Yeah, it's very fun. The now I'm just thinking about this. Anyway, no, moving on. Fun thought process. I want to pair another couple guys. The Daryl Henderson on the Rams. As a faller and Ronald Jones and the Bucks, because these guys are kind of similar in my mind. I mean, the Bucks spent a, the, not just the second rounder on Ronald Jones two years ago, the 38th pick on Ronald Jones in mm. 2018. He's 22 years old. And then Daryl Henderson, who the Rams took in the, I think, the third round last year, and they were like, he's going to be Alvin Kamara. Now, both Daryl Henderson and Ronald Jones at 22 years old have already been not replaced, but have another guy drafted with a high pick on each of their teams. Darryl, the Rams drafted Cam Akers. The Buccaneers drafted Vaughn. Uh, DK, what do you think for fantasy-wise? What do you think about Daryl Henderson and Ronald Jones? Which would you rather have and who has a better chance of actually making an impact this year for fantasy teams? <laughs> oh, man. That's tough. It's, it's really Rojo. tough. Probably lean Rojo just because he actually had a pretty decent second half of last season. Henderson just didn't show anything hardly. There was like three plays where he flashed and otherwise they didn't show any, I guess, willingness to trust him to be a part of their offense. Um, I was just looking at this. It's very fascinating. Ronald Jones is actually younger than Keyshawn Vaughn uh, by a couple of months. Um, and he's been in the league for two years now. So I don't know if that's that amazing really, to think. It doesn't really matter at the running back position, but um, I do think it's interesting because people in the fantasy community are very low on Ronald Jones. Like Ronald Jones is sort of like the butt of a lot of jokes. He everybody kind of thinks he sucks or whatever. And the Buccaneers showed at least you know that they are not sold on him by ticket by taking Vaughn in the third round. That said, it's not like third round is like a super high pick, like running backs in the third round are dime a dozen. And, and this also all comes down to Tom Brady. Like if Tom Brady likes Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones is playing. Yeah. So I I think it's very fascinating. I think it's very fascinating because we don't have like everyone is super high on Vaughn this year. And, you know, he falls into a situation where like, like you said, Craig, if Brady loves Vaughn, like he's in like Flynn, he's going to be a massive fantasy factor. However, I do think that people are looking past Jones a little bit. Well, I look. I this is my favorite thing in fantasy. This is my corner is the running the rookie running backs blocking. But I don't know if it's ever been more true for anybody that Keyshawn Vaughn will not play if he cannot block. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Like if you get Brady knocked on blocking. his ass, like the funny thing is, like before the draft, um, Keyshawn Vaughn kind of reminded me of Sony Michelle. 
And <laughs> like he Yikes. goes into like I don't know what Tom Brady's feeling on Tony Michelle is, but they feel like they have similar like attributes, I think. Is that even a compliment anymore being compared to Sony Michelle? No, it's not. <laughs> wow. I mean, Sony Michelle coming out of college was very exciting, but like what he's done in the NFL is like twenty three carries for seventy six yards is like his his and six touchdowns. <laughs> Like and the you know, split of I when just, he plays is overwhelmingly on running downs. I mean, yeah. yeah. So I yeah, it, the the Buccaneers have said that Keyshawn Vaughn. The reason they like him so much is because he can play on all three downs. It seems the team seems to indicate that they want a guy who can stay on the field in all three downs. He's he's your pass catcher. If, if that's true, I don't know, man. It's it's so hard to trust what what like coaches say at this time. It's of May, DK. Stake your claim now. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know what, if I was picking between the two, I would pick Vaughn. But I do think people are are kind of underrating like Jones could have an impact still. So, um, yeah, I think he's a he's a, certainly a loser. He didn't make it out of the offseason, um, you know, clean and like having like a clear job. So he, he came into the offseason as the clear starter. He came out of it as what's probably at best a committee. So... Yeah, we buried the lead here. So OJ Howard or Cameron Brait, the biggest question on everyone's mind this fantasy offseason, will either of them make any realistic contribution this year? The question for me is, what, what shape is Gronk in? Is Gronk going to be like the Gronk we know? I mean, probably not. I think there's <laughs> a lot more CBD. Yeah. Oh, CB. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's like, his body's feeling good right now. Like, I mean, he lost just, 50 pounds. And then, like, I mean, shout out John Gonzalez, who wrote a great story for The Ringer. But, like, most guys who, like, lose the football weight aren't like, yeah, let me go back to doing football. So what's up yeah. here? Like, I, I mean, how are you drafting these three? Like, are, are you are drafting Gronk one? Because you just kind of have to, right? Yeah. And then it's, what, OJ Howard? Because he's more talented than Brait? And then Brait, or is, like, Brait going to be the sneaky guy who has, like, five touchdowns this year because he just, like is the second red zone tight end. He's in the right place. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, because O.J. Howard is, in, like, the, the talent is not a question mark, but he just straight up played bad last year. He was just bad. I think he's a very good player who played poorly. And so, you know, can he kind of turn it around? Maybe. There's also the question that Bruce Arians has, has almost never had an offense with a consistent targeting of tight ends, and I'm curious if that even changes now. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the quarterback, you know, the quarterback is a big part of that too, I think. And and Brady clearly trusts Gronk. And I don't know. If I'm drafting anyone, it's obviously Gronk. I'm probably staying away from these other two. Where does Gronk go, you think, amongst tight ends? Top 10? For, for nostalgia reasons, probably, yeah. There's a group of guys in fantasy who are, if you want them, you have to reach is like a category of guy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And Gronk will 100% be that this year because there's going to be some dumbass in your league who spends like 27 bucks on him. And you're like, God damn it, dude. Like, I wanted to get Gronk. Danny did it again. Yeah. It's like, be me. Yeah. So we'll see about Kyler Murray's another guy. If you want Kyler Murray, you're going to have to reach. I'm yeah. going to reach for Kyler Murray, who will be the MVP this year. And Gronk will be the offensive player of the year with 25 touchdowns. I'm really excited <laughs> for it. Uh, 25. Doing just 12 touchdowns. games, which is amazing. All right. We got to get out of here. DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to Gronk for unretiring. It was really selfless of you. Good for the content. Yeah. <laughs> Great for content. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.